1: follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Finding Backcountry podcast. Uh, Beautiful, what is today, Wednesday? Wednesday morning in January and there's nothing to do so we might as well talk about hunting. Uh, Got my buddy Aaron Snyder on. How you doing, pal?
0: I am good. I'm good. Yeah. Ready to get this thing cranking.
1: <laughs> yeah, buddy I uh it's always interesting for me to have someone on that has their own podcast or runs a podcast because I'm just curious how you handle that. Like I get super chatty when I'm a guest on someone else's podcast. Are you are you the same way or how do you respond typically?
0: <laughs> yeah, to a certain degree I'm always probably more chatty than I I probably should be. I talk too much when, uh, at least, at least not in groups of people, but on a little more introverted in public. But um, yeah, I get to you know talking, and next thing you know, I'm like, man, I I barely let this guy talk because you know when you're the, the host, you really don't want to hog the whole conversation up. So it's kind of weird when it's in reverse.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're the the reins are uh, let loose. Um. Yeah, man. Glad to have you on. It's been, you've been on once before actually. Um, Man, I've done enough. I've done just enough now that I have to kind of thumb back through all the podcasts that I've done to remind myself who I've had on and who I haven't. But, um, and honestly, I can't even remember what we discussed. I'm sure it was similar stuff, but um, I know you're, you're one of the guys, whenever I throw up a, you know, who do you want on the podcast, you're always, you're always one that comes up. So, it's always good to circle back with you. We have a good relationship with you guys at Kafaro too. So I like chatting about, you know, packs and stuff like that. So,
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, the, the Q&A things are, are funny. I haven't done one uh, in a while on Kafaro. I don't think Frank has either of who do we want on the podcast because we get enough people messaging us, pestering us who they want on the podcast. So it's like, well, <laughs> there's no reason to double that up and ask the question. So I am amazed sometimes of who does pop up on those. And and sometimes who doesn't as well. When you know, when you're
1: asking, what's your, what's your biggest, like, I mean, I don't, not like asking individuals, but what's like, what are some of the things that pop up that you're like, like what is it about the guests that you think is weird?
0: Uh, I would say (laughs) um, it is, it's amazing how many people, want to hear the same crap from the same person (laughs) if it's not informational you know i get it if it's informational or it's uh you know what i mean you're learning something but if it's the guy that's not really teaching anything and just talking i'm like how many times can you hear the same crap over and over and over unless they're teaching something then it makes total sense like if it's i don't pick somebody robbie denning and he's talking about mule deer i I get that because not everybody may listen to you know, my podcast or yours or whoever else is, so they may hit one, you know, where guys never, you know, may not have heard that guy before because he's on his own specific podcast. I get that, but yeah, guys have asked, and it's like, Frank and I are like, man, (laughs) we're just going to be regurgitating what he said on the last podcast, so we (laughs) just, certain people we don't get on.
1: Well, and it's, you know, I think as hosts, we all think that like, well, he's already been on a podcast or even our podcast, but man, like uh, different hosts ask questions differently. And for me, you know, I could have the same guy on two different people's podcasts and you're going to get, you know, in my opinion, you're going to get way more genuine information out of them than, you know, than the next guy. And so I, I prefer to listen to them on your podcast, even if they've been on the other podcast too, maybe that's a little bit of what's going on, you know?
0: Yeah, it could be, I think, in, and probably on our end or, you know, being, you know, honest. If we've heard a couple and they sounded identical, then we kind of have a the the idea of well, uh, we don't really have anything else to ask them other than what they already asked them. So, <laughs> yeah, let's not ask them the same crap. You know, type yeah. of type of deal. So
1: yeah. Well, I've uh, hopefully I've got a few questions here that aren't you know too. Uh, it's it's like you said with you. It's you know it's the most extreme of that because you know you not only are on, you have a podcast and I, I listen to most of them. And so, you know, I, I'm going to try to steer it to some other things, but naturally it's going to, you know, we'll talk about a little bit of stick stuff and crap like that. But, um, so you text me, first thing I had was you text me back at four this morning and that was fine, but I was just curious, is that pretty typical for you? Isn't it getting up early? Uh,
0: three usually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just generally want to get up. Yeah
1: don't sleep well or just uh, a guy that starts your day early? (laughs) Bows. Yeah. A little both. Yeah. You, uh, early, early morning gym guy.
0: Yeah. Well, now I have a gym in my basement. Uh, we moved up into the mountains, So that's a big help. And my, my wife actually bought me a, my birthday's in a couple of days here. My wife bought me a few days, a treadmill or not a treadmill, um, rower. Um, and a buddy of mine is I said that thank you, got me a Hitmill X treadmill a few months ago. So you know, hitting both of those at three AM will wake you right up anyway. So um this morning I was I was on the rower um celebrating my birthday with my maybe that's like a hint for my life that <laughs> yeah. I'm fast.
1: I was gonna say that's a fine line when you're giving your significant other a uh, workout. Anything to do with working out presents.
0: I'm I'm horrible to shop for. I I get so much stuff for you know for free and I, you know, i'm picky on on what i want or you know as far as gear goes so you know it's not like you can get me a pocket knife because i've got 80 of them in a you know rubber made <laughs> container now so it's a little difficult so she knocked it out of the park with the, the treadmill yeah. or that excuse me the rower.
1: something you can't really get probably don't have a sponsorship deal on <laughs> no probably not <laughs> um Yeah. I always joke with my wife, same thing, right? Christmas time is always stressful because it's like, she has no idea what to get me. She's super, super easy to shop for happy with a lot of things. And, uh, I, I finally joked with her. I'm like, next year I'm going to, I'm going to register. Like I had this idea that I'm going to go register for gifts like you would for a wedding, you know, at like, whatever shields or Cabela's or, you know, online at black Ovis or something like that so that my family can just jump on, search my name and go to my registered Christmas gifts. And I think that's a pretty good idea, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm always, I'm always curious with guys that hunt and go to the gym and that whole conversation, you know, do you have like specific uh, lifts that you're doing that are like hunting minded or do you just kind of lift like, you know, like you would have in high school or whatever and don't really care. Yeah. I just, I just lift. I don't know that. I can't really say that I could
0: think of anything that just flares out at the top of my head and says, this is a hunting related lift. Right. Um, squats, I guess, or lunges, you know, would be, you know, one like backpack lunges, but I do those anyway. But as far as after that, I just do push-ups and pull-ups and abs and deadlifts and bench press and the normal the normal routine, um, you kind of go with what you know on that. And I, I kind of make fitness cracks jokes all the time, even though I work out, you know, every day, I, I still, I think some of people forget that, you know, getting onto the mountain is probably 30% of it. Um, and so fitness is definitely important. It's just, there's a lot after, you know, fitness. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, try to tell guys like, Hey, you don't want to be the guy that's like, yeah, we got into them. And, you know, we kept blowing them out though, you know, when you chased them down and scared everything on the mountain, you definitely got the fitness nailed. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you need to make sure and work on
1: some of those other parts too. So, Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's uh, man. It's something that is easy. I think, you know, it's low hanging fruit, so to speak, for guys to, to put out there and like, make it look like they're, you know everyone wants to pretend they're the next campaigns or whatever and um you know yeah when push comes to shove i mean there's a lot more behind the scenes mental toughness and you know i've heard you talk about you know uh you know crap, you know bush bush uh skills out you know survival skills and mountaineering and stuff like that reading a topo map and scouting and just so many other things that go into it um you know i've kind of i haven't been I haven't been necessarily consciously doing this, but I mean, I've been like the last couple of years, I've been getting out of shape. Right. And like, like that typical, like, you know, I'm coming up on mid thirties type of a deal in my life. And it's just like, you know, whatever I've been putting on some weight and not, not staying in shape like I could, like I should. And for the last couple of years, every hunting season, it stresses me out um, a little bit, but what I've realized is unfortunately you can still get around in the back country if you're out of shape it just hurts you know
0: and yeah yeah i would agree with that and, and you get better every day too so it's right it's not like you're going downhill you're you're actually improving each day
1: yeah yeah those five six seven day hunts man by like day four you get your mountain legs under you and uh you just kind of get in that groove and like i said i mean there's no doubt that it's better to be you know super fit and trim and slim but Um, you can definitely get up and down if you have to, or if you have that mental toughness, I guess, uh, you know, being a little overweight or whatever, it just, just hurts a little bit more, but yeah, it's always interesting. Oh, that's cool. Uh, followed your goat hunt this, uh, this fall. That was pretty, I mean, I've heard you talk about that on your podcast, but was that kind of your, your favorite number one hunt from this last season?
0: No, not. Really, honest if I mean, you think it would be, but, and it was definitely, you know, probably one of the most memorable just because we were able to, uh, you know, Frank was with me, which, I mean, he's on, obviously he's kind of a Mr. Dependable, but we had Luke uh, or AKA Darth Vader and many other names, the MMA <laughs> guy um, and my wife. So that was cool because, you know, Frank was right beside me on the, the stock and then my, my wife and, and Luke were down on the, I wouldn't really necessarily call it the valley floor, but they weren't, um, you know, way up in the cliff. They were down by the, the lake where we spotted it. So they were able to to film it. And she was able, she's never seen anything like that. Well, shit, what am I saying? She, he hasn't either. Luke or my wife had never seen, you know, anything like that. So for Frank and I, it's kind of like, you know, I, you know, whatever analogy, like wiping your butt, right? It's just second <laughs> nature. It's not anything new, right? As far as hanging out on the cliffs and the stock and, yeah. Frank's in the office beside me. It looked, I don't know, Frank, what do you think? It looked way more dramatic than it was. I mean, we got up here and there was like, no, I think the most problem I had, because I'd hurt my my shoulder or pulled a rib out, I kept falling down and put my right hand uphill. So it kind of rocking that and put, you know, shooting pretty good pain. <laughs> so at one point, I'm like, Frank, I got to go straight up. I can't side hill this. I'm getting my butt kicked here. So. That was about the most exciting part of that hunt. Um, other than being stuck on the cliff and like a dummy, I pulled my wind blocker top off and the, the goat just wouldn't move. So Frank was like I think 27 yards or something, maybe to my left or 30 um, trying to get the goat to stand up. And I mean, you could cut diamonds with my nipples. I was cold with that updraft blowing up and I was standing right above him thinking, come on, just move. Um, but it's pretty, pretty cool. And, and uh, Frank was able to film it from the side and, Luke filmed it from down below. So, and you know, and my, and my wife got to see it. So it was great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rare. Um, you know, a lot of the hunts that you probably do and you know, your family and your friends just aren't able to be there for a lot of it, you know? And it's like, like, I think you're like a lot of us, I mean, you have no problem going off on your own, but it's like, if, you know, you don't mind having your, your wife or your buddies there either, you know? And it's like, but it's a hard, it's a hard order to, to fulfill, you know, when you're extreme mountain hunting and to be successful. And so I can imagine having all that come together like that. That's a pretty sweet, like, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think my wife's maybe she's watched me. Let's see. She's probably watched me kill a few things with a rifle. Now that I think about it, I don't know if she has antelope she watched me kill some antelope you know because that's like one of the only hunts that it's like easy for but that's not an extreme backcountry like you know up in the cliffs type of a deal so that's pretty cool
0: right yeah and i think um like with yeah everybody's a little different on that in fact frank and i just have this conversation of for you know for mule deer because um uh like with frank i'm like hey do you want do you want me to go back and help you know flag you in And, and frank just prefers to hunt you know by himself and i'm kind of in the neutral mid-road like I'm, I'm i'm good either way and you meet other guys that they just can't be alone yeah i mean just flat out can't can't do it and and uh i'd say uh frank is, is a very unique i don't know that frank would come back um he can stay solo for a long long period of time and you know for me i can but it's more of a you know, I'm not exactly enjoying myself every day out there after a while, you know, and, and, but I, and some people just can't be alone. Um, so it's just a little bit, it's a little, it's interesting to me what people may consider one guy to be a quote unquote, you know, badass that can't spend more than five minutes alone. And another guy, um, you know, maybe the actual tough dude out of the group, uh, you know, like, wow, that guy's, he can handle himself. He just doesn't have the appearance of one. So I'm always enamored or, or, or intrigued by kind of quizzing people on how their season went and what happened and, and that whole thing.
1: Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same way. I think, you know, as you kind of, I, I can do it. Um, you know, I did it this last season in Colorado for whatever, you know, it was like, it was like four or five days and then it was like two days. Cause I went back to town for a minute, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things like, you're there and as you know for and this sounds obvious probably but as long as you have something to do it's fine you know as long as there's a hike somewhere to hike or whatever but you know where i was at it just got dead you know and there was just there were super low deer numbers i mean you can you can sit in glass all day but even that gets a little bit monotonous and uh yeah when it gets dead like that that's that's when it gets the hardest for me you know as long as there's somewhere to go and somewhere to something to do then it's it's not bad but i i i think the good combo for me is having a maybe a base camp with a few guys you know and then you kind of split for the day and then you meet back up in the evening or whatever that seems to be a pretty good combo but
0: yeah yeah it does i i um with uh you know whether you're you know solo or with uh with a buddy or you know, there's always gonna be um we uh I mean some somebody's flagging someone in and someone's sitting behind glass and in, in the case with you know Frank and I i um he's had um lift this year good success the the first day and last year on I don't wanna lie Frank the sixth or seventh day, eighth day? day. Eighth day? Sixth. sixth. yeah. So six sixth day in the of actual hunting time. So you know frank's gotten screwed because he has to he doesn't <laughs> have to he comes back in and helps me so both trips last year and this year i had well last year i had to go back in and and um and frank went and i and i ended up killing that uh big three by three like an older buck and then this year he was gonna come back in and help me when i when i went back in and um i called him i'm like dude there's no deer don't 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 bother coming back and not too long after that i some bucks came in and I, I ended up killing like a three-year-old deer. It wasn't a giant deer, but that was definitely the most memorable. Like that was the hunt of the year, even though, you know, I missed some ridiculously sized blue stocks, whatever on giant deer. I definitely for the $48 for the tag got my money's worth. <laughs> Cause you know, the first nine days in was just intense every day. And then I went back in by myself and, ran all over Hell's half acre, just killing myself, trying to find deer and ended up, you know, getting a stock and, and and actually being able to take a deer out of there. It wasn't a giant deer. It was just a four by four. But, uh, uh, if you talk about getting your money's worth out of a tag, that was the hunt where I squeezed (laughs) the government out of every state of Colorado. I squeezed every dime I had out of that tag.
1: Well, and it's, it's just always all relative, right? I mean, you know it's like it's all relative to the the work you're putting in like how you know for me it's how easy the tag is to draw sometimes what weapon you're using you're obviously using your stick bow um you know and so that just elevates everything you know everything that you accomplish there just is magnified i i think i mean it was for me when i was when i dabbled with it a little bit but um yeah yeah how, how's that? Um, how's that journey been going? I mean, everyone, you know, you're, you're definitely not going back. I mean, is there, is there ever a day though when you're like, man, why, why did I do this to myself?
0: Not now. There was there for a while. Now it's not so much. I mean, um, uh, I you know that the the buck in the high country, I I, I missed, and it wouldn't have mattered. I wouldn't have been able to shoot at it with a compound. But uh, you know, the the one animal that really you know, it's, it's kind of hanging on me as that giant mule deer in the Alberta actually hit it in the neck and and it was pretty high wind. So who knows what would have happened with the, the compound, but you know, that one was one that was, you know, wasn't a compound trad thing. It was more just like, a, okay, that left multiple black eyes, some, some ribs that <laughs> injured and, and maybe possibly a broken foot. Cause that one is not going away, <laughs> but I been super successful with that thing. So, You know, if I sucked and couldn't kill anything and was eating beef, uh, we'd probably be having a different conversation. But, you know, I've been lucky enough with it, so I I don't really ever, you know, let the the compound thing hang over my head.
1: What's what's your, uh, like, first advice when the guys, because I know you get this a hundred times a week probably, but the guy that's coming to you that's just getting into it um, or crossing over from compound or whatever, what's your, your first couple pieces of advice?
0: Yeah. Just get a bow that fits you would be the first one. Don't, don't over bow yourself. Um, And then, you know, get lessons as soon as you can or get a buddy, you know, grab a buddy that, um, that, that, that knows what he's doing. So you're getting some, some pretty legit advice, you know, from someone rather than, than guessing. So, those i think uh would really don't over bow yourself and get a bow that fits is definitely the the start you know to get of a good foundation
1: yeah yeah it's one of those things you know it's funny at my job here uh you know long range long range custom long range rifles and it's i tell guys all the time on the phone it's like listen man like you'd really be better off to build a less expensive gun and, and force yourself to come to our training classes with these guys, you know, like Phil and Ben that are our instructors that know how to teach people to get, to do this the right way from the beginning. You know, if I had it my way, everyone who bought a gun from us would have to go through the training classes, you know, and yeah. maybe it should be, the, you know, <clears throat> it's not going to be, but, uh, you know, if everyone that started trad bow hunting had to go through some sort of lessons with a credible teacher or whatever i you know it's, it's not for me it's not like an ethical thing like i'm not the guy that gets wrapped up in like oh you you know you wounded a buck because you weren't you weren't ready it would just be a better experience for the hunter i think you know there's so many guys that jump into it delusional thinking that they can just figure it out you know and uh and i was probably that guy because i didn't get any formal lessons or whatever but um you know, and then they have a bad experience and it's a lot of it's probably based on what you're saying. You know, they're not, they don't, it's, it's you don't know what you don't know, you know, and they're doing something with their form that's uh, limiting their success. And if they just would have taken us one step back, they could have taken two or three steps forward, I guess, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's summing up pretty well. And I mean, that's easy to say. I have a coach beside me and, you know, the Rocky Mountain specialty or the Clums, um, you know, Tom Clum. I have someone here. So it's easy. You know, some guy out in the middle of BFE Powell, Wyoming, you probably don't have coaches just <laughs> walking down the street. Right. So yeah. it's easy to say, get coaching, but if you don't have it, I get it. you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, there, there's a, there's a pretty good shop up in uh, billings from where, where we're at here, you know, an hour and a half or whatever. And there's, I don't even know that they're into the trad world though. They're more, you know, they're, like, like a typical archery shop. They're more into the compound stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah. For, for me, it was just YouTube. You know, I, uh, I latched on to, uh, Ryan Sampe pretty hard. Um, when I, when I got that stalker, you know, and for the couple of years there that I was pretty dedicated to it. I mean, that was cause that, that was down back home in Southern Nevada and same deal. You know, I, I would have had to drive to Vegas probably to find anyone very serious about it. And so that's the yeah. nice, nice thing about that. What, whatever happened to him? I, he is like falling off the, the Sanpei. Yeah. Do you follow him or keep yeah. in touch?
0: We keep in touch. Yeah. Uh, some stuff happened between him and, a, and another. Um, I'm just going to stay out of all of that anyway. He just, <laughs> just kind of distanced himself after that happened. And gotcha. Uh, you know, he still shoots and, and everything. But you know, Sanpei, I like him, but he is one of those. Um, kind of come and go guys where i think he probably gets tired of the industry or someone pisses him off and he's like you know what i'm living in hawaii why am i dealing with this crap and then yeah. steps back and then like All right, i'm you know i've had my break and then gets back on yeah. you know or go hops back on social because i mean let's face it I, I don't know about you but if i had a choice um <laughs> i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing i like helping people but the, the bs side of it gets a little bit you know, irritating so you know when you're looking at social media, I would say my main goal would be to get off. Um, i say get off of social media. I like posting some of my photos. I, I just would say, you know, would, would distance myself from some of the, the more, the BS stuff I have to, to deal with. Cause, you know, I, a lot of people message us, probably message you, how do I get in the industry? Um, you know, I would say, you know, my, my thing, I got in the industry just because of my infatuation with trying to find a job to stay in the woods all the time, and the, the rest was a byproduct. And, you know, Frank's kind of the same way, I, I would say. You didn't come get to work at Kefaru because you wanted to be in the industry. Uh, he just wanted to work for a cool company and like the hunting idea. And then, you know, now, whether he wants to be or not, I'm assuming for the most <laughs> part, he does not want to be. Um, he's in the industry. So, kind of weird how all that works. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then on the like, like you said, on the flip side, you got the guys who you feel like, um, or girls, um, that, you know, you just, you can just, you can just sniff it out that they're, they are just in it to be quote unquote in the industry, you know, and have that face. And, you know, they really, you almost get the impression that if social media didn't exist, they definitely wouldn't be doing what they're doing, you know? And that's, I think, probably a good question that all of us need to ask ourselves is like, if, if there was no Instagram post, would I still be doing this? You know? <laughs>
0: like, and and I, I think it's different for guys like you or Frank or myself and others where we've been hunting since we started, you know, our lives on earth or, or, or have been doing it quite some time. And yeah. in my case, I'm, I'm, I've got 10 years on you. Um, I didn't have social media or cell phones or even really, computers until later on i mean i remember we had computers i remember playing oregon trail but not (laughs) internet was not like a huge thing and um so we'd already been doing it before all of this stuff where people that get started now um well they're just getting into it for a lot different reasons some people
1: Yeah. And there, and there is, man, there's like, you know, and you can't, you almost can't blame them because unfortunately there's big money that gets thrown around. Um, you know, if you've got a hundred thousand followers for however you're willing to get them, you know, if there's big money that gets thrown around and it's like, man, you, you know, whatever, like to each their own. But yeah, I mean, I was, I, I feel like I'm in that generation that's right, you know, obviously right in the transition because I got just enough taste of growing up where the only, the only sort of recognition or, you know, uh, social quote unquote media you had was, you know, either a magazine article that you, you know, you just felt like was never attainable, you know, it was like, man, to get in an Eastman's or something, or more realistically, it was like post, you know, printing out your going and getting your 35 millimeter, uh, camera, picture developed and putting it up at the sportsman's warehouse or the local sporting goods store or whatever. And uh times
0: have changed, my friend. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, but it but it hasn't, you know, it's the same thing. It's just magnified. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the same guys that that's all they did it for probably was to put a picture up on you know, maybe not as extreme and there definitely wasn't as much money involved. I just, I just think it's exposed us, you know, it's just magnified and exposed everything that was already going on. It's just before it was happening at your, you know, in your local little neighborhood or whatever. And now it's, you know, it's obviously worldwide, but um, Yeah. yeah. And, and with that comes You know, it's super easy to smoke smoke people out that you can tell are just, man, like you're not doing this for the right reasons. But I'm sure you guys get that with Frank probably more than you on the, uh, you know, the sponsorship and the whole, you know, uh, bro staff. And, you know, do you guys have, you know, sponsored athletes and all that kind of stuff that you guys deal with on the daily? Probably. Yeah, yeah, we do. What, what is your, I mean, now, since I brought that up, I mean, what is your advice to guys, you know, or girls or whoever that hit you up? I mean, what, like, what is the criteria that, you know, someone needs to consider?
0: I, I, I said, I like, took two examples, and, 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 and Frank's listening in, so you can chime in if I say incorrectly. I'd say TJ Perez is a good example of someone that doesn't, kill anything to speak of. I mean, he hunts and he's killed a couple animals, but he's a great photographer and he doesn't like fake the fun, he doesn't uh, like, um, you know, he is what he is, He's he's a Kefaro enthusiast, he loves the outdoors, he likes hunting, but he's not laying a pile of animals down, he's a great photographer and so he speaks about the photography side of our packs and what fits in and, you know, the comfort you know, that there's nothing wrong with that. And and then obviously there's the other side of the spectrum where we have guys like you and, and your brother that, you know, lay down animals like the plague also take great photos. And so we really just want you to promote the product well um, and do something, you know, noteworthy at the same time. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if you're climbing 14 ers let's say in Colorado, and you're doing them over and over and over, I mean, You don't need to put animals down to have great advice or content or photos and info, feedback. Those are all things we look for. Yeah. I don't know if shed hunting counts. (laughs) (laughs) That's gotten big. It's Uh, gotten so big it's not fun anymore.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, I can't ever decide if I'm just terrible at it or if it is so big that I'm just in over my head, you know, and and I'm just – so far behind these guys that are taking it way more serious than I am, because I, you know, I seem to go out every spring, I get hyped up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to find sheds this year. And I never do. Um, and so I, I really think there's more of an art to it than, than, than I think, you know, I, I kind of assume that you can just shed hunt and find sheds, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot more of an art and the guys that are good at it are good, but
0: yeah. And I, I, um, Yeah, I used to shed hunt constantly. One of my best friends, he's just a shed shed nut, and uh, I'd say we go out more now to just go walk around in the woods. But if I got a choice, I'm honestly going to go stump shoot now over shed hunt because I don't even really keep the sheds anyway. I give them to my buddy, and um, you know, just (laughs) I just go to get my fat butt out of the you know the house and you know a good reason to go out. But now with this, you know, once the I guess you know you've got cabin fever and the thaw is hitting and you know the weather's a little nicer you know backpacking and and backpack fishing um and and stump shooting things like that have kind of taken precedence over shed hunting
1: yeah yeah um you've always talked about if you weren't hunting you would be happy doing your photography i've always wondered what if what if what if you couldn't do photography either? What would be like, what's Aaron Snyder's next thing on your list?
0: Um, Man, I, that's a tough one. I, I mean, honestly, um, uh, it, if, if you, you kind of like shooting is enough, I guess. Are you saying if I didn't have photography or hunting?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you, if it just, you know, we just created I, your worst case scenario.
0: Back, <laughs> backpacking all over um, and do a lot of fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like backpacking. I mean, I like being in the, the outdoors. I'll say having a goal is, uh, you know, pretty important for that. So, um, I, uh, it's not, I'm not one to just go hike and then not take a photo or not catch a fish or not put an animal on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, climbing a 14 er for the sake of getting to the top is certainly not me. So, as long as I could fish or something that would be you know that would
1: be enough it it almost seems so you know relative to Kafaru it, it kind of seems like um you know and I I haven't heard you talk too much about your how you really got started with with Patrick at Kafaru and ended up kind of running the show there but you know it, to me it almost seems like unorthodox, um unorthodox you know uh strategy that Patrick had where he almost I mean, did he expect you to spend as much time as you do in the mountains using the product? Was that part of the like the strategy, or is that just kind of how you've no, chosen was, to go about it?
0: No, that was part of it. That was kind of expected, and, and one of the things he liked most about me, um, I would say. I mean, now, obviously, you look at him like a, a father, so it's different. But at the time, he was just happy to see that somebody maybe in the younger generation with, was still doing it or still out there. And, and, you know, Frank's the same way. Um, you know, Frank has, I would say, you know, looking at the, the platform of, of, of younger, I say younger, you and Frank, what are you? 35,
1: 33, almost 34.
0: 33. I think Frank, what are you 31? Um, you know, I'm, I'm turned sort of back to turn on. I turned 44, 43, one or the other, um, <laughs> you know, for Patrick, he's twice, my age almost and definitely twice your age so for him we're all in the younger generation and so whatever you you lump that into he was just happy to see you guys not playing nintendo and actually going out and you know kind of living off the land and and doing what he did in his younger days and and he really liked and respected that and and i would say um you know for 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 patrick for you know he's a very kind man but for for you to really strike up a conversation, you're, you're going to need to be out there doing something cool, or he's probably not going to have a whole lot of time for you. Um, you know, and so that's kind of how, you know, getting in the door or whatever that, that, that he expected, I guess.
1: Yeah. How have you seen that, uh, help or change the way that you run a company, like a backpack company, you know, rather than just being, you know, cause, cause I look at it like you could just be a businessman who runs a company, you know, and that's, that's kind of the cliche or how most people most companies are ran, it seems like, but how have you seen the fact that you, you know, you still get out and, and apply and use the the products that you're selling? I mean, how have you seen that affect or help your Kefaru?
0: Uh, you know, it helps in the sense of obviously it's tested heavily. I would say maybe not to our downfall, but we try to in hopes to let the product speak for itself and in a lot of other companies, donate a lot more maybe marketing than they do into r&d or testing so you know that's (laughs) it is what it is but it 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 probably helps us and hurts us because you know there are times where maybe frank and i uh shouldn't go um into the field and should go to a total archery challenge to maybe fly the flag and (laughs) that's just really not us Uh, i'm not saying we won't go i think we're going to go to some this year i know we signed up i know dan will have a booth at all of them but We'll go to some. It's just if we found a big mule deer or need to go find a new spot or go put game cameras up or, or hang a tree stand somewhere for midday elk hunting or we're gonna go to tack, yeah. We're not gonna go to tack. And and that has definitely been brought up specifically to me. I don't do people give you crap. Not going to tack and events and stuff. Yeah, they give crap frank crap too. So yeah. different I would say, you know, most companies would probably go to a tax or a show and you know, we, we go in the field instead.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm trying to take your advice on that this year because I've, I've gone to, well, not every year, but I typically go to attack and it's, you know, whatever mid July or whatever they are. I went to the one up in big sky last year and, and technically I wasn't, I didn't even shoot because I was working. I was helping work a booth for, you know, another, another partner that we have, but um, and I'll, I'll go back and do that again if they ask me to, but if not, you know, I, I didn't sign up the, all the registrations just open and I didn't sign up with that, that exact advice in mind of, Hey, if there's, you know, if I only have so many weekends, you know, I've got some, you know, church stuff and I've got some other stuff. And so I only have so many weekends. Um, and I've just, man, I've, I'm going to force myself to dedicate more time to you know, if I have an extra weekend instead of shooting my bow, which I can do Monday through Friday or whatever, I'm gonna get out into the into the hills, I, I hope and and uh look
0: at it this way. If you go out in the woods religiously, it's really the same as church. Right. So you can go Sunday instead. Right. <laughs> Just a little tech tip for those listening.
1: Have you mended your relationship with the Mormon missionaries, by the way?
0: I don't believe I have. Um, no, they still don't, uh, like me and, uh, nor do I like them. No, uh, that's, I, I have no issue with Mormons. We're talking about it. <laughs> um, I, uh, the world is a, it's a very strange place in the outdoors or the outdoor world. Um, and how things kind of twist turn and everything else. And, and, uh, you know, I've just tried to hang back and stay out of things and not get too riled up about anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what hunts are you going to scout for this year? I mean, I, you, you go on a lot of hunts that it seems like you, you just they're not hunts that you typically would scout for, you know, if you're up in B.C. or, you know, Alaska-type yeah. hunts or whatever. But what are some of the hunts that you plan planning this year that you would scout for? It,
0: it's about 50-50, I would say say to for the most part so always antelope always high country mule deer elk if we draw a tag or go over the counter um you know and that's you know different states same kind of a thing um you know even the you know some of the um you know like the 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 mountain goat that was one we, we scouted as much as we possibly could even with the late snows we had uh i'd say mule deer this year would be one that'll be scouted more and then depending upon you know elk because frank burned his points last year but i have some so if we can get a landowner tag then there would be you know for for the unit i might try and draw there's gonna be some scouting there but you know over the counter tags for elk like i don't have to scout a whole lot just because i've been in the different areas you know getting more where it's a lot more luck um because the amount of pressure of Right place and right time before the the pressure hits. Um, not that you asked that question, but that truthfully, I, I really don't need to go scout for elk. I, I know where they are. It's more of how quick they get blown out and if anybody else is
1: in there. How do you? Uh, well, first of all, do you do you apply for any other out of like what what out of state hunts do you apply for in the West? Anything?
0: No, not not really. I mean, you know, I do more over the counter if, if I'm going into another. You know, state, especially for for, for elk. Um, I actually don't, um, you know, su- surprisingly enough, like, I, well, you know, not surprisingly, but I don't put in for like eight different states for elk or what, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, I never messed around with that mostly because I was, you know, basically broke for many years. And, you know, now it's like, holy cow, I'm so far behind the, the power curve in some areas that that I, I'm never going to draw a great tag. So I've got so many other hunts, I've kind of, whether it's justifying, it's like, well, I could put in for, you know, X, Y, and Z, but, you know, I could go up to BC uh, yeah. as well, and, and, and I end up doing that. So It's
1: it's something that rarely gets talked about, but when you sit down and do the math, you know, and if you're being honest, because like, I'm, I'm that guy, I'm like seven western states, you know, points for every single thing under the sun that I can get points for. And when you really are honest with yourself and look at the finances, uh, because I did it a couple of years ago and my wife about killed me when she realized how much I actually spend on applications every year. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, you know, I, 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 wonder if it wouldn't just be smarter to put, you know, pigeonhole that money, hunt, hunt whatever state you're a resident of, you know, or, or maybe grab one over the counter hunt. If you're in a terrible, you know, Nevada, for example, you can't hunt over the counter if you want to. Uh, there's some easy to draw hunts, but everything's on a draw and the better hunts are on a draw, but, um, you know, you could pick up an over the counter and then pigeonhole the rest of that money that you would be spending, you know, thousands of dollars. And it's like every, you know, without, if you put away a couple thousand from applications every year, which I easily spend that when you talk, you know, to, uh, licenses and bonus point fees and the whole nine yards, like you could go on a pretty sweet hunt every three or four years, you know, like a legit, you know, the dream hunts, dream hunts that guys, you know, Alaska moose hunt or something like that. Don't you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, drop, drop, you know, float trips, drop camps. Even landowner tags, you know, if you start digging into that, they're not they're not necessarily guaranteed. But, you know, the other thing is, too, is let's say you wanted to do um, uh, an over-the-counter, I don't know, something in uh, in the Bob Marshall and go in on horseback for, you know, 30, 40 miles and do some epic hunt back there. That's going to be, that's a yearly thing uh in comparison to what you're pissing away on putting in for tags and i say pissing away you're not pushing away the money it's just yeah. if you want to hunt every year for that amount of money um you you can find some stuff pretty pretty quickly and you know if you white tail hunt certainly you can find at least you know i, I had a guy message me yesterday about are you going to hunt public land white tails to prove the doubters wrong and i'm like what's that even mean <laughs> like I mean, I you can hunt public land whitetail, but, it, it you know, I, I have, and I've shot in with sucks. Like, if I've got 800 bucks to pay a trespass fee, I'm paying it. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to, you know, pound my chest and say I'm hunting public land uh, for the greater good of whatever. Uh, if I can afford to pay a trespass fee, you know, I'm going to pay it just because whitetail honey is tough enough already, but that yeah. extends the season as well. So.
1: Yeah. It's like, like, you know, I said before, it's all relative and it's the same with that. I mean, you know, by, by nature, a whitetail hunt is typically, you're going to end up on private land and it's, and second of all, who cares? You know what I mean? Like what, what what point, what point are you proving? You know, it's like.
0: Well, I mean, that, I think what it was that shot so many white tails this year. There's guys saying, "Well, he would have never done that on public."
1: Well, oh, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I would
0: not have. I'm not gonna argue that. Like, there's. It's not like I'm saying yes, I would have. I'm like, hey, heck no. There's yeah. no way I would have. Yeah. You can't. I mean, you can, but being out of state is more. It's more difficult to to do that. And and like you said, what? Why? Like, if I have the opportunity. Uh, you know, do, you can do some door knocking or like, in my case, I met Scott. He's super cool. And, and, you know, I help him out. He helps me. And that's how I was able to, you know, hunt, uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. And um, if I, they're like, you know, which why don't you go hunt northern Michigan and show us what you really have? I'm like, no, it sucks. Why, why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough up there. I mean, I, I get it. I'm not denying that. It's just, you know, I want to go have a good realistic chance of getting an animal too
1: yeah um back to colorado for just a second where you're a resident there i'm curious what your opinion is on the effect that the the date changes are going to have especially over the next like two hunting seasons
0: man i it, it could be uh not to keep bringing up you know frank on some of this, but we discussed it and there's there's frankie listening all right um hey frank i would say the first thing that could <laughs> They said, hey, the first thing is, is maybe more elk hunters will um, be elk hunting at that time that may have been trying to kill a mule deer, that first part, and are going to skip that now. So there may be less high country hunters because they're going to go in for elk. Uh, You know, that's a a potential positive thing. Um, And that that really is the only positive thing. Um, After that, it's (laughs) really not good. You know, they... The longer you go into season, as you know, it, it they turn into different animals. They start losing that velvet. So, for for us, um, you know, that's our kind of hope. Is is there's a lot of guys that we you know elk hunt um, that first week that that may or you know, that mule deer that hunt that first week that transfer over to elk that may not be in in the mountains for mule deer at the new season dates. I can't think of anything else good about that. Can you, Brent? is yeah frank saying no
1: yeah it's shitty it's a deal is it like an out do you think it's an outfitter driven thing the the and what i mean is the fact that the dates they like why why can't they just separate the mule deer dates and have them that like the on the archery hunt at least and have them a week earlier and then you know why why does it have to align
0: henry ferguson was in this meeting in a spokesman for the Colorado Bowhunters Association. He'd be a much better person to yeah. to talk to because, as it sounded, they had every common sense um, option on the table. And the bottom line is, the people that make the decisions have never hunted and probably couldn't load a gun or fletch an arrow or anything to save their lives, and know nothing about biology or, or season structure. And those are the ones that made the, the, the decision. Yeah. Henry Henry would know much better than me.
1: Yeah, I got you.
0: But I think it's the worst decision out of all the options. They definitely seemed when they threw the dartboard were were hanging in the one side of the ring because I'm like, what? This makes no sense at all. Why didn't you, you know, set mule deer and elk up different dates and have mule deer start early and wait for elk, or right. you know, start elk or deer even a week earlier than they do. Um, you, you know, and and then and then structure the season that way rather than, you know, out of all things, you know, for high country mule deer. Hey, let's start it a week later. That will help. You know, it didn't help anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, man, Colorado, like it just you just can't help but think like, are that like they've increased? It seems like tags have increased. Dates are, I mean, in two in two years from now, the some of those like third and fourth season rifle dates are just like almost silly and man you just can't help but think like what what exactly is their objective here i mean are they trying to you know is it a cwd thing or are they just trying to annihilate and start I over fresh
0: a, i don't know thing is what it what it is um <laughs> you know because if you ask any you know like like the wolf thing you know like there's a gag order for every game board, and they can't talk about wolf introduction and i think that if you ask them about season dates and they were bow hunters or gun hunters, they would probably have about the same reaction and response and solution that you and I do. But those aren't the people that seem to be making the decision, just the ones that don't know what they're – they don't seem to know what they're doing. Now, yeah. I may get a million messages by people that game wardens right now saying, nope, we get to make the decision. And if that's the case, you know, so be it. You, I'm sure you had good reasons. I just can't think of any um, – you know, for some of the things that have, have or, or decisions that have been made. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's tough when, you know, you got a state like that, that's got all the potential and, uh, you know, why Wyoming's no different. I mean, they, we have our problems, I think. And when, when I was a non-resident, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I just did, I wasn't in a position to, you know, to have any reason to say anything, but now as a, as a resident, um, man, the, The fact that we're still giving out you know basically an unlimited amount of over-the-counter you know deer tags to the residents i mean it's it's nice you know it's a nice thought but um with the potential that you see in some of these states you know i just and there's there's people hunt for a lot of reasons you know some some guys i think some some hunters just legitimately want to have a tag in their pocket every year and they having a tag in their pocket is more important than the quality of the hunt if that makes sense or the or the size of the maturity of the animals that they're hunting or whatever and i guess you know i guess there's enough people out there um otherwise you feel like we could make a change here but man i'm i'm not that guy like i would rather have a tag even in my home state you know uh well that's how nevada is you know growing up you you just knew you were going to get a tag every three to five years but it was going to be you know somewhat of an epic hunt you know you weren't going to see much hunting pressure the bucks are relatively mature in most of those units and it was going to be a good hunt but i guess you know everyone doesn't see it that way but
0: yeah yeah well again it's a lot different yeah asking somebody on the ground than asking somebody in a cubicle
1: yeah (laughs) yeah uh I know you're, you guys are gear junkies. Any new, uh, I like talking gear, any new gear that you guys are, are, uh, planning to use this year or been using or excited uh, to use?
0: Not that I can talk about <laughs> most of stuff like that is usually a year, you know, it's a 2021 yeah. release and, and I get in trouble about that all the time. Like I forget and have it in public, take a photo you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah, I gotta be careful with that.
1: Well, most guys aren't even up on the 2019 gear, probably. I mean, is there anything that you've been using for a year that stands out, or that, or maybe stuff that you you haven't liked that you've gotten rid of?
0: Man, I, I would say, um, really, it's 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 more a testament to what's tried and true out of all the stuff we. You know the the Garmin InReach, which is is was the me, but that's something I think everybody should have. The MSR Reactor stove is is something that you know I think just stands the test of time. Um, you know, as as far as the basic things like that, it, it you know really our our gear is so Spartan now that um, you know the outdoorsman tripod, right? Things that just last forever. It's it's hard to shake away from those even after testing, like I bought a really right stuff, which literally I could have bought my daughter a car for what I paid for that tripod. And, uh, and I sold it just because I'm like, I don't know if it's any better. It's certainly more expensive. And if I break this thing, I'm going to have a heart attack. Well, you know, I've never broken an outdoorsman and their system as far as it's a hunter friendly system. Um, whether it's a window mount or, Uh, you know, going back and forth from a window mount to the tripod or the monopod, it's pretty hard to beat that type of stuff. I I would say that I'm more enamored by the fact of, you know, we're not getting much better. You know, it's still more of the tried and true stuff. And I don't know. Would you agree with that, Frank? I don't think, I mean, we're we're using more of the same gear that was perfect five years ago. Yeah. Um, Not the crap on your question, but I just haven't found anything that cool. It's new. That Sitka Apex uh, top and and pants is pretty nice, you know, for clothing. I know, like with First Light, the Obsidian pant, uh, Mm -hmm. it's pretty quiet as far as with a stick bow, but uh, there's nothing that I really was, like, you know, groundbreaking. The Iron Will Broadheads are cool. Uh, They're pretty badass. The Valkyrie stuff's pretty cool. But, again, I can't really say that, wow, yeah i that's, just think everybody should buy this
1: well that's that's how my 22 mag is right and i'm i mean i've talked about it other times not just bringing it up because you're on here but it just I, it, it just it won't go away it will not break it will not even it will not even look like it's been worn like i can't i can't outdo that thing and it just keeps hanging around you know and it's it's kind of like what you're saying but um you mentioned the, the MSR reactor. I So I actually picked up the wind burner. Did I make a mistake there?
0: No, no. You know, when you look like the reactor and the wind burner, if you just need just a beast of a stove that literally anytime, any place boiling, it's a snow boiling machine, uh, bomb proof, you know, that's the reactor. More of the bomb proof uh, one man cooking system would, would be the wind burner. Okay. Um, it, we're probably over stove to a certain degree sometimes with that reactor, and you could go down to something maybe different. You know, we're not boiling snow or, or don't need that much of a beast, but it's also one heck of a tent warmer, which people probably shouldn't do because I think you can die of carbon monoxide poisoning. But I've been it, and, and I'm a bit more of a weenie than. Um, you know, some guys, I like to crank that thing on for a minute and a half or so in the morning, two minutes to get that kind of break that <laughs> feeling in the tent some mornings. And I'll do that and then get out of the first sack and get ready because it does heat up the tent pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It seemed, it seemed to me just the lighter weight version, the kind of the, you know, the more backpack streamlined version. But um, I, I know that you, you also, you know, you, you seem to index more on the side of, you know, I take what I need to take, regardless of weight, almost because I need to take it. You know, and it weighs what it weighs, which, which is is almost counterintuitive from a like a, you know, a backpacking company. You know, guy running a backpacking company, but you know it's true. And and I think, do you agree that guys maybe get themselves in trouble? I say guys all the time. Do you, do you agree that hunters get themselves in trouble, specifically backcountry hunters, sometimes because they just Purchase based off of shaving weight?
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. And I've written all the articles about it. Actually, I wrote one for Eastman's called Don't Chase the Rabbit, where I got myself into trouble for that exact reason. And uh, the thing is, is, you may go 10, 20 times. It's just that one time where it's going to be a problem. So I get it. Um, and if you have the woodsman, you know, the field craft woodsmanship you know, to get yourself out of certain situations, then it's not that big deal. But there's also a level of comfort that do you want to be comfortable the seven days you're there uh, and, and uncomfortable that hike in? Or do you want to be comfortable to hike in and uncomfortable the seven days? Generally, I want to be comfortable the seven days. and I'll just suck it up for the hike in. Now, that's within reason. Like, you know, when I say I need it, I need it. The weight is inconsequential. There's some common sense involved in that. I mean, right. I think we're talking about lightweight gear already, but I'm not going to jeopardize I mean, obviously, I could just sleep in a bivy that weighs 14 ounces and skip the shelters. But I also don't want to sleep in a Gore-Tex coffin for 14 days or 12 days or 10 days. So I carry a tent that weighs three times more or more than that, actually. Yeah.
1: Um, Another piece of gear that I just picked up, just literally just got it yesterday, um, is a pair of 15 Swirl 15s. I, I... That's a
0: gift that keeps on giving. Oh, that one, man. Everyone
1: should have. I mean, I've, I've ran 15s for quite a while. Um, they were just a cheaper uh, Cabela's brand or whatever that we had from years ago. And my brother, of you know, this is how brothers are. He upgraded, I think, last year to the Swirl 15s. And uh, I can't be outdone. So, you know, I wasn't far behind and got a pair, too. I, I actually stole this from one of your Instagram story questions. Uh you somebody asked you about running only fifteens and you kind of deferred to the the Warners, but what's what is your uh what what is your answer to that as far as when or why you would only run fifteens?
0: Uh man, I probably wouldn't. Uh, maybe Arizona might be one where I would, but you know, Omni and in, uh, in Wesley, like, Wesley only runs 15. He doesn't have anything else on his chest. He just has those. And um, I'm more of a well, – as well as Frank, um, a 10 and a 95 guy or 10 and 85, so a spotter. And uh, and so the 15s are nice in scouting. You know, that's one thing Well maybe I'll bring the 15s and Frank would bring the spotter, um, you know, something like that. But as far as an actual high country hunt, it'd be pretty hard to, to get me to, to – to get away from the tens on my chest and in a spotter and throw fifteens in the mix. But if I lived in Arizona or Nevada, um, you know, especially like I hate to say road hunting, you know, but really like running in and out from the road. Right. Fifteens are pretty hard to beat with, you know, the the overall power, the field of view, it's pretty hard to beat. It's just on a backpack hunt, the weight side of things kind of comes into play and it's in with the stick bow, I, I'm, I'm having to get super close. So still hunting more or less, or, or maybe not still hunting, but your final approach of your stock, if it starts from 300 or, or 200 yards out, and you don't know maybe exactly where the, the deer is, cause you don't have somebody flagging you in, you know where it bedded, but once you get over there, you know, when you're looking for times or something sticking up, it's pretty hard to hold 15s up steady and get <laughs> as much clarity as you are with 10, so.
1: Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I even run eights. I ran eights basically my whole life. Uh, same same pair of Swiro old school SLCs. I mean, they, geez, they've got to be twenty years old. But um, back when the green was the cool green, yeah, now they got some goofy green. Yeah, <laughs> well, mine are probably before that. They're black. They're uh, yeah, yeah, they are. They're o- before that. The OGs, um, and they're man, they're just they seem just as clear as the day they were they were new. But yeah, man, having those those eights, you know, they're. I'm not going to pick up, you know, super subtle movements, uh, you know, 1800 yards across the Canyon offhand typically, but, um, having those on the stock, like you're saying, I mean, it's, you know, they're just, they're just perfect. Like a pair of eights when you're stocking in and you get under that, you know, 200 yards, like you're saying, you're trying to pick up that little bit of movement. The fact that I can throw those up and just offhand them. Perfect. Man, they're that's money. Um, i even eights i've considered even going to tens you know and i just i don't i i just can't do it i love those eights so much but
0: yeah i mean like in in arizona um i was behind 15s constantly and and used the 95 very little because of the distance you know that's a big part of it obviously where where we were from where we were picking up the animals and, and didn't need that spotter but in the high country um, it's a little bit different the way you grid is different the, the terrain and topography is different so 15s are more conducive where we were um and then obviously i needed the tens on the stock where you know in the high country I'm, I'm behind that 95 quite a bit looking for something sticking past a log or a rock and and uh you know those thing too is you think like you really need to get your glass on a tripod um you know if you can because you just pick up more you it just better in every way doing that whether it's h10s or 15s or whatever
1: yeah well we just we need to get a couple uh llamas at your disposal this year so you can really experience not giving a crap how much optics weigh and you can have all of them you can have all the food and all the optics (laughs) yeah no no kidding
0: we had talked about um getting llamas or having someone pack us in or something um to just not really go to town and go crazy. Just have a few more creature comforts. I like to eat, so food would be a big one. And mm. um you know, after that, food is kind of the the devil. And then, you know, camera gear. Uh, that's another one that probably bring yeah. up a little bit more camera gear. We could yell that all the time for not filming our hunts. People are constantly complaining about that. So, <laughs> although I don't know that that's really going to change. So.
1: Yeah, <laughs> filming your hunts, man. That's a like I've just almost settled on. I, I would rather do a hundred podcast episode. Well, I haven't done a hundred podcast episodes, so I can't say that, but I'd rather do 50 podcast episodes, I think, than worry about filming at, at least like, you know, within our group. Now, if we're like hiring a camera guy to come, that's not like, you know, one of the guys with a tag or whatever, then filming your hunt, who cares, you know, cause you just do what you're going to do. And he's the one that has to worry about it. But when it's either you filming your own hunt or, you know, you and your buddy have two tags and you're trying to film your hunt, man, it's just nothing but a pain. And it, it kills your chances of, of, uh, of taking stuff, you know, of, of killing bucks and bulls. And it's just, I would, I, the podcast is a lot easier way for me to hopefully bring, you know, bring some value from the mountain back hopefully, but yeah, filming hunts is terrible.
0: Yeah, it is. Especially, you
1: know, kind of gets the shitty end of the stick.
0: They got a stick bow, and and I know some people say that doesn't not a disadvantage, but it just takes more effort. And so, if you're trying to film, and I've got a stick bow, and you're truly backpacking in, I mean, it's easy for people to say go film your hunt, but yeah. <laughs> it's a big pain. And then bringing someone, you run the risk of, which happens all the time. then you know, telling everybody on the planet where you're hunting, which is a, mm-hmm. you know another problem. So,
1: well, and you know getting the footage onto an SD card is one thing. And then you get back home. I mean, really, really honestly editing and putting it all together is a bigger pain in the butt, you know, uh, especially if you're not paying someone or don't have someone there to do it for you. Um, man, that's just, it's just not as much fun as people think it is, but yeah. Well, what do you, uh, well, what one last question here, and then I'll just kind of talk to you about what you got coming up this year but what uh what would you say I mean just like your biggest maybe your biggest mistake or the biggest mistake that you made or the biggest lesson learned that kind of question like is there anything that stood out from this last year that you're just like man i can't do can't make that mistake again
0: <laughs> mm, man I had uh had jumped around on bows a little bit um. You know, I, I had some issues with limbs on on one bow, and I went to another bow, and I didn't have that feeling like that's the one. And I went to another bow, and I did like it. And and you know, people were asking me to test a bunch of bows, and that became a problem. I mean, that definitely hindered my uh, confidence in the in the field with with the stick, which I you know I just won't ever let that happen again. Um, you know all the boats that I used were awesome. I mean, they're unbelievable, but there's gonna be that one that really it's just like a marriage, right? your wife right <laughs> well, people people divorce all the time, but when you got the right one, it's gonna last forever. Yeah. You know, you really um should stick with that and and I just from, from from people asking me to test and 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 issues with the one, I jumped around and and I think that hurt me. In fact, I think you know there there was animals I should have hit, and you know I wounded a couple that quite honestly, if I had more confidence, that that probably wouldn't have happened. It has nothing to do with the bow. That's just
1: more me. Right. Yeah, even with my compound, I finally, you know, this year I kind of broke the streak of you know, trading in my compound um, because I've got one that I love. You know, I'm shooting that Matthews Traverse and uh, had been shooting Hoyt a long time, switched over this last year and, and was running that. Not any sort of sponsorship or anything there whatsoever. Just a guy that bought a bow at retail, but Um, just finally said, man, like, I just don't care what's, what new bows quote unquote come out this year. Uh, I'm just going to stick with that, you know, so that I'm not jumping around and, you know, it's, it's even, I, I've been through it with a stick bow and it's, I don't know, in some aspects, it's probably easier to tune a stick bow and in other aspects, it's harder. And, but compounds are probably a little bit more technical and you've got to, you know, just so many little things that can go wrong when you're re you know tuning another bow and so i finally just said man i'm for once i'm just gonna stick with a bow you know for multiple seasons here so uh you know kind of along the same lines that you're saying but
0: yeah and you know this is how the industry is laid out you know all the not particular companies but all the compound companies um you know they're coming out with new bows every you know year and and uh You know, that's that's a good thing. It's cool to have that technology, but you know, there there are times that's you know, with the compound in the last, you know, twenty years where I had a compound that it just couldn't miss with it and you know, then like a dummy, there you are changing twelve months later and it's like (laughs) I'm still not missing with this thing and I highly doubt I'm gonna hit anything any better with this new one, but you do it anyway. So I think everybody not everybody, most people have that same thing. Yeah.
1: Well, what do you what do you have coming up this season? What's uh, maybe some goals that you have, or a hunt you're looking forward to?
0: I don't goal wise. I don't. That's kind of a tough one to answer. But I say, you know, hunts got a couple black bear hunts and three turkey hunts. I may go shoot a alligator, hopefully, and a an um And then uh, you know, high country mule deer. I'm going on an antelope hunt with my wife in New Mexico. I'll pray antelope hunt here. Um, I think we're going to try and do, um, you know, it depends on the tag situation, an elk hunt here in uh, Colorado, a moose hunt up in uh, Canada, and, and then a whitetail hunt up in Canada, and uh, a mule deer hunt in South Dakota, I think, um, and uh, same thing in Nebraska, and then some stuff in Texas and potentially Oklahoma. Uh, I may draw my sheep tag. I'm probably forgetting some stuff in there, but so uh, so but yeah.
1: just a light year. Then, gonna take take it take it easy. I know, right? <laughs> I'm probably forgetting a few too. Uh,
0: uh, yeah,
1: be busy. Sheep sheep tag in Colorado.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I thought I, you know, when my my card got hit this year, I thought, well, there was a real good chance of me drawing both those tags, and I honestly was like, God, I hope I don't draw sheep this year i mean i wouldn't have complained by any means but you know as far as timeline and what was going on and, and the other the schedule um know, yeah, that would have definitely you know worried me and so i ended up drawing the go So i have you know it's not like a guarantee here but i have a good chance of drawing my you know my sheep tag and it's, it's in one of the rougher areas in my opinion in the lower 48 um uh that i'm putting in for so it, it'll be a it'll be a bit of a four-letter word with the uh mm-hmm. the old stick but it'll be it'll be fun
1: yeah yeah not i'm sure not many people are uh killing bighorns with bows in general let alone stick bows so
0: yeah i'm looking looking forward to it if i draw it and and uh i'm sure um you know what may have to happen you know as far as you know between high country and mule deer and that is is uh we may have to split up you know time or or we may just not come into work at all mm-hmm. um <laughs> between scouting
1: for sheep and mule deer so we'll just see <laughs> yeah. well people still buy packs that's alright
0: yeah Okay.
1: well thanks for jumping on man always a pleasure to talk uh, always like to give you credit for just being genuine so it's uh, it's you know it's one of your one of your uh, features that stands out is you're just you're a guy that uh, you know doesn't you know, isn't, isn't easily swayed one way or the other by, you know, what's going on in the industry or what the quote unquote cool thing to say is or whatever. You just, you just seem to, to, uh, set your compass, you know, where you set it and then you, and then you follow it. So that's, I want to give you credit for that. And also just
0: appreciate, appreciate that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, And, uh, thanks for the relationship. You know, it's, it's an easy, it's an easy one to have. I mean, everyone likes to say that they, you know, anyone who gets gear or, is sponsored or whatever that they would be using it anyway. Um, like this is the ultimate example of that. We just, we just love, uh, Kofaru packs. So.
0: Yeah, we, we appreciate it. And actually to your credit, this is funny for listeners. I was last year, or the year before I was like, you guys didn't even call me. I think I called you and I was like, Hey, we kind of like to give you guys some cash as a thank you to help pay for some of these tons. And, and, uh, I'm like, you know, no contract, just hey, like, thanks for helping us out so much, and you're like you were like, like the worst businessman in the world, I'm like, well, we're gonna use them either way, so you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: you Should probably save <laughs> your money.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like It was pretty funny actually. Which I actually found the same, you know, thing on my end. I'm like, look, I'm, I like your well, boots, for example, bog You know, they they cut me a check as a thank you, and I'm like, ah, I appreciate it. I mean, I'm gonna use them you know either way and they're like no you don't understand we know how many questions you're answering about our boots we we appreciate it so it's it's, you know i i i want to make sure obviously people that take care of us we, we take care of them when we can
1: well and on the flip side like you know we've got some companies that we've worked with or working with and you know it just gets you know and and whatever i mean you know maybe with some of these companies we're not worth it and that's that's fine too but you know, it gets to where you just, you know, we're not going to ask, you know what I mean? You you hate, because everyone's asking, you know, everyone, whether they're sponsored by him or not, everyone's asking. And you just, you hate to be that guy, you know, to some extent, especially when it's not, this isn't our, this isn't our, our income, you know, this isn't our career or anything like that. And so, you know, it's like, man, if we don't have to ask, like, why ask? And, you know, at some point, if we just, have to keep asking companies we just say hey man like we're just going to do our own thing and we'll probably use some of your gear and maybe we won't or whatever but you know anyway with you guys it's always been a good good relationship so appreciate it yeah yeah we we do too so well if i don't if i don't talk to you man, good luck with everything you got coming up yeah yep if you ever get up uh any uh interest in building some points up here in wyoming by all means come up love to go hunt with you so Cool. Sounds good, man. Take it. All easy. Right, you too. Thanks, Aaron. Hey everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.